Say, man, come on over here. I got the good stuff. What you got? I got the reality, man. I got the reality. Oh, man. Oh, man, I gotta have that. But I ain't got no money on me, but... But I will suck your... Dickie, get your ass over here! This episode was originally meant only for my Patreon subscribers, but I just felt drawn to share it with everyone. So here it is. I don't know who you are, but every last one of you have a debilitating problem with addiction. Give me 10 minutes and I'll prove it. Welcome to the Anahata Singularity. When you fall in love, you get hit with a dose of your brain's feel-good drugs. When you make love, you get hit with a dose of your brain's feel-good drugs. When you jump out of a plane to parachute to the ground, you get hit with a dose of your brain's feel-good drugs. When you get in a fist fight or even an argument with a coworker. When you get likes and even thumbs down on social media. When you exercise, when you eat something, even when you sleep. There's no point in continuing to name things because there is literally no activity that you can engage in that doesn't result in a reward in the form of some drug from your brain, not one. Even when you are choking and farting and gagging and gasping for your last breath, even then, you're getting hit with massive doses of your brain's feel-good drugs. We're talking, of course, about dopamine, adrenaline, and serotonin. Ever seen a scientist reward a rat with treats as it's trying to find its way through a pointless maze? Yeah, that's you. Never thought about it that way, did you? When you have an emotion, do you know that you choose to feel that way? You can debate with me over it, but the simple fact is, if someone says something sarcastic to you, for instance, you choose to get angry. And I know you might say they made you angry, but they didn't make you angry. No one can make you angry. You chose to respond that way. The same thing with happiness. How many times in your life have you been overjoyed with a gift from someone? And how many times did you have to fake it even though the thing that should make you jump with joy just didn't do anything for you at all? Even sadness. I'm pretty positive that all of you have experienced the loss of a loved one or a pet and you're overcome with sadness when it happens. Well, how about all those other people you cut out of your life in the past? When they go tits up, are you overcome with sadness in the same way? You choose to build up a relationship or a connection with people, animals, and stuff for one purpose, so that you can experience a range of emotions stemming from those connections, and your brain rewards you for every one of those emotions. How about miserable people? They can't possibly be addicted to being poor and having people shit on them their entire life, right? If that's your angle, I'd have to say you must not get out much because I have met many, many people in my life who are absolutely addicted to being miserable. They're dedicated to it in every fucking way. How about sadists? They get a real thrill out of treating others like shit. How about the flip side of that coin? Masochists. They get the same exact thrill out of being mistreated, both emotionally and physically. You ever notice that when a person is having an intense orgasm, they look and sound like someone is pulling their tonsils out? The band Queensryche had a lyric, Strange how laughter looks like crying with no sound. Yeah, because they're all the same emotion. You just attach a perspective to it, of your choosing, by the way, and you get rewarded for it, regardless of your choice. You cry when you're happy, and you cry when you're sad. Let's talk about fear. Fear and excitement are merely perspectives. 
The difference between brave people and scared people is how they perceive the flood of chemicals coursing through their body when exposed to some stimuli. That's why fight or flight response is what it is. Some might get a real hard-on for challenges or danger, while others will bolt at the slightest hint of a threat. Both people aren't getting a different concoction of drugs from their brain. They're getting the same identical hit. They just both perceive the feeling differently, and that's why they have completely different responses. The absolute worst thing that can happen to a person is if they suddenly feel nothing at all. And you know what happens then? They either feel guilty or have a panic attack thinking something's wrong with them. Both emotions that also come with a reward. Enough about the body. How about the chemical mixture in the air that you breathe? Is it just a necessity for survival or is it an addiction of every living thing on planet Earth? If you ran out of air, you would, of course, most definitely trample old ladies and children just to get one more gulp. Behavior suspiciously similar to junkies. How about the food you eat? Most foods contain a hallucinogen called DMT. Did you know that? They say the body doesn't metabolize it in its natural form, but I don't believe that. Hallucinogens like psilocybin, a.k.a. mushrooms, are grown on nitrogen-rich ground and contain compounds that contain nitrogen. Tryptophan, you know, what's in turkey and DMT and psilocybin all have nitrogen in common. You know what else is rich in nitrogen? The air you breathe. The other addiction we talked about. Are we still fighting this? Are we having a tough time admitting we have a problem? Let me ask you this. If, say, a being from another dimension suddenly popped in in front of you and said, um, I'm from dimension eight, and every year we have a lottery to give one of you fuckers here in dimension three an opportunity to leave. You were chosen this time. Congratulations. So what I have to do is first inform you that absolutely everything in this dimension is an illusion and then offer to send you to a place where there is no misery, no pain, and no sadness, and I'm going to do that with this here magic wand. Now first you'd be all like, let's go. Then the being says, well, there is some fine print. Since this place and everything in it is an illusion, if I whack you on the head with my magic wand, You'll leave this place, but you will never see your mother and father again. Your husband, your wife, your children, your pets. Not all the shit you've worked decades for. No more beer. No more yummy foods. No more whacking off. It'll all be gone forever, and where you're going, you don't have any of those things or even anything similar. What would you decide, standing there in this miserable fucking place with that magic wand poised over your head? Hmm? I know what some of you smart asses are thinking right now, but you're wrong. My mother was a dedicated, Bible-thumping Pentecostal woman, absolutely certain she was going to heaven when she died. Used to claim she couldn't wait, as a matter of fact. Well, she died clinging to her last breath in a prayer cloth from a TV evangelist. When it came down to it, she didn't want to let this place go, even for all the heavenly streets paved with gold and the absence of sadness and suffering that heaven promises. So don't be so sure of your answer. And I know what some of you are wondering at this point. What in the fuck was the point of this episode? The point of this episode is a segue off another subject you hear me talk about often, and that's duality. Duality and how this place is entirely powered by it, and that duality is the illusion. And also the fact that polar opposites are just the flip sides of the same exact thing. You see, you only like some things because you hate other things. You only find sadness in some places because other places make you happy. You only find safety in some places because other places terrify you. 
and that your perspective is not shared by everyone, no matter how strongly you may feel about something or how impossible you may find it to imagine someone feeling differently about that thing. Christ, look at Navy SEALs. They feel most safe escaping into the freezing cold ocean in the middle of the night. All I see is a good way to get hypothermia while sharks are swarming below me to wait to eat my fucking legs off. Those dudes seem to get a real thrill out of danger. They have a perspective not shared by most of us. I remember watching one of them tell a story of being pinned down by a sniper. He actually said, and I quote, Frankly, it started to piss me off. Most of the rest of us would have been pissed all right in our pants. An interesting fact about reality that I've not heard another person bring up ever is the fact that not only is this place entirely made up of duality and that every opposite is just a matter of perspective, but that no matter what choices you make, your brain will reward you handsomely with a concoction of drugs from its built-in pharmacy. And no matter how much you hate it, you will claw, scrape, and fight to stay here. It appears that reality is an addiction shared by every living thing on planet Earth. So, the very deep philosophical point of this episode is, when you get all caught up in the illusion and all worked up about something, think about what's really going on at the root of it all. When you truly digest what's in this episode, you'll really start to see how pointless it is to sweat life so much. If every choice is both wrong and right simultaneously, and you get rewarded with a hit of dope from your brain, regardless of your choice, it really makes decision-making a lot simpler, now doesn't it? Now, you can be a glass-half-full person and say the constant drug reward from our brain is just there to keep us imprisoned here, because that may very well be the case. Or, you can really understand what I'm trying to say here and stop being so afraid of life. Just something to make you think. See you in the next episode because you're also addicted to the crazy-ass concepts and perspectives that I present you with. Hey, my mom. Hey, pop-pop. How you both been? Oh, my heavens. There's my angel face. You never mind us. How you been, baby? Oh, I've been surviving, I guess. Been having panic attacks a lot lately, and I ain't really sure why. Boy, you gotta stop that. Just stop it. Back when I was a boy... You just hush up. Boy was talking to me. Hush your mouth, and you sit there and you figure out how you're gonna fix my bird feeder. Good Lord sends his precious creatures here to get something in their bellies. You want the good Lord soul me on your account? Okay, baby, where was I? Oh, yeah, this here anxiety you have. When I was a young girl, I used to get all rung up. All rung up for no reason at all. My stomach could have all twisted up and knots. Just all knotted up. But you know how I fixed it? How'd you fix it, my mom? One day, back in 1937, I entered one of my apple pies in the county fair. Now... That apple pie was made with my mama's secret recipe, and I knew there was no way anyone else was going to even come close to first place. You know it hit me when I was standing on that stage waiting to see who was going to win? Knowing it was me, I realized that the same exact feeling I got when I got all rung up was the same exact feeling I was having right there on that stage, standing on my tiptoes, anticipating that big blue and gold ribbon. 
So the few times I got all wrung up inside out of nowhere after that day, I said to myself, I said, Jin Jin, what's got you all excited? What's got you so full of joy like something great's about to happen? And then I'd either lie in my bed or sit in this chair right here. I'd picture that big blue and gold ribbon and just let the feeling just wash right over me. And I'd smile just as big. And you know what eventually happened, baby? Those tears in your eyes, they tell me, you know, 